Amen. Thank you, Andrew and Tanner, for leading us in worship this morning. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Making our way on from previous chapter that we were just studying in about spiritual gifts. We'll be in Ephesians 4 this morning. Before I read from that uh, passage, we want to welcome everybody. It's good to see all of you today on this beautiful Lord's Day. And I want to go over a couple things with you. Uh, well, first of all, I want to mention that this is Memorial Day weekend and remind you that Memorial Day is a day that our nation has set aside to remember those who have given their lives in uh, battle, given our lives, their lives for the freedom of our country. So that's what Memorial Day is for, to remember those who have fallen. And we want to um, uh, be thankful for, for them and for our nation and continue to pray for our nation today together. Uh, next Sunday, and there will probably be this in the announcements, but promotion Sunday is next Sunday where you'll be moving up. Some of you may be from the class that you are in to the next uh, level up. So this uh, class that you're in for small groups will probably look this way one more day, this today, and then it'll be changing next week. We are excited to be offering another adult class, and we need to get up some more information about this, but Brother Kevin Cannon will be teaching another adult class, and that may be like an intermediate adult class. So uh, let, letting you know about that, and we'll try to get more details out about that this week in an email to describe what that's going to look like as far as young adult, intermediate, and then the other adult class. Uh, we have a meeting tonight. Um, after or at the end of our church service, this meeting is going to have to do with uh, church discipline that we have um, been engaged in uh, and want to give you an update about that, some changes that are taking place there. Uh, so I encourage you as a church family to be out tonight so that we can inform you about what is going on in that particular church discipline, um, for lack of a better word, a church discipline case. Uh, and then youth camp is coming up Tuesday, so we're heading out Tuesday, and please uh, keep the youth and the chaperones in your prayers throughout the week, Tuesday through Friday, as we'll be returning on Friday and looking forward to a good week together, all right? So Ephesians chapter 4 is where I'll be reading from today as we continue our study on spiritual gifts. If you're visiting with us today, we're really glad that you're here. We welcome you and hope that you feel welcomed and edified by being here among us today. What I'm going to do here is read from Ephesians 4. I'll read verse 7, then I'm going to go down to verse, verse 11 and read 11 through 13. Now, I've entitled this Grace Gifts in the Church. Ephesians 4, verse 7, the word of the Lord says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Then down at verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. May God's blessings be upon the reading of His Word this morning to our hearts. Let's pray together. 
Father, first of all, today as we come together and pray now, Father, I pray for kings and for those who are in authority. I pray for those who are over us in authority in this nation. Father, as you have asked us, not asked us, Lord, commanded us to do in your word as the church to pray for them. And Father, I pray for our national leaders today, national, state, and local leaders. Oh Lord, our nation has gone away from you. We are truly like the people who are not righteous, who do not understand, who do not seek God, who have turned aside, who have together become unprofitable, who does not do good. No, not one does good. Lord, our throat is an open tomb. Our tongues have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under our lips. Our mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. And our feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery, Lord, are in our paths. And the way of peace we have not known. Lord, as our nation, there is no fear of God before our eyes. And I confess that before you today, Lord. And I beg your mercy upon us as a nation. And I pray that, Lord, even through wicked rulers, leaders in our country, God, that you would please accomplish your purpose through the gospel of Jesus Christ to save lost sinners. And I pray, Lord, that we as the church would be the church, be the mouthpieces of God, be the kingdom of God here upon this earth at this time until it comes in reality and full. So, Lord, I pray for that. And I thank you, Father, on this Memorial Day weekend that there are that we have freedoms. And Lord, were it not for people willing to give their lives, we would not have it. So I thank you for all those who have. And I pray for those families that grieve maybe today because of the loss of a loved one. Oh God, please comfort their hearts and let them see that in Christ there is hope beyond this life. Father, as we Seek to be the church and learn from your word and be built up. Do use your word today and please help me to deliver it to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace gifts in the church. As you look there at Ephesians 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, you can see why I've entitled it this way. And now, be very transparent with you this morning. I've preached this mess, this message before. When I was going through Ephesians, I basically preached this message, though what I'm giving to you today is kind of a combination. But I got to looking at the outline in my notes on that, and I thought, man, that's so good. There's no need in changing anything. So I just kind of stuck with it. And hopefully after preaching it twice, you'll remember it a little bit better. I bet if I hadn't told you, you may not have remembered it. So uh, I will be honest with you about that as I hope to be honest with you about all things. Um, and, and it's unashamedly, as we come to the Word of God, it does not change. In verse 7, you can see why I call this grace gifts in the church. Because he says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of of Christ's gift. So it's grace gifts from Jesus to us. Please put your finger right there in Ephesians 4 and then flip back 
Holding your finger in Ephesians 4, turn back please to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 7. First Corinthians 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Alright, if you'd hold your finger in both those places and turn to Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, going back, you see Romans 12, 12, 3, to each one a measure of faith. Flipping to 1 Corinthians 12. Hope you still got that finger there. Verse 7, to each one for the profit of all, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given. And then to here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Beloved, this morning you must not leave here You must not think, if you've been thinking that in the past, you must not consider the idea that as a saved person that Jesus Christ has given you no way to serve in the church or no gift to employ in the church because under the authority of the Word of God, we see that each one has received it. And whether it be from Christ, whether it be from the Spirit, or whether it be from God the Father, the Godhead has equipped the church for ministry. He has given us all that we need as the body of Christ. Our first point today as we work through this is found in verse 11. And the question is, what are the grace gifts in Ephesians? Now these grace gifts in Ephesians come across as offices. Because they are very much that in the church. Offices in the church. And we see them here. We see apostles. As you look at verse 11. And he gave some to be apostles. And some prophets. And rather the word and is not there. But some evangelists. And some pastors and teachers. Alright. So those are the four that we find here in Ephesians. And you might remember that at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he gives something of a similar list. I'm sorry, at the end of chapter 12, something of a similar list because he says in verse 28, and God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and varieties of tongues. So the list is quite similar to what you find there in 1 Corinthians 12 in part. So these four have been given, all right? So let's engage our minds a little bit this morning to think about these. 
When you hear the word apostle, all right? When you hear the word apostle, what definition comes to mind? All right, that's right. So you, now you said sent by the church. Appointed by Jesus, all right? The, the word actually means what? Sent one. And it is one who, a sent one who is sent with the authority of the person who sent them. So the apostle, an apostle is a sent one. Now, Andrew brought up an interesting point because, and then Ken brought up an interesting point. There are apostles in the New Testament who were appointed by Christ. You might think of the twelve, and then the Apostle Paul, and the one who took the uh, role of <clears throat> Judas. But here's some things about traits of an apostle. An apostle, uh, in that sense, was one who was appointed by Christ to the office of apostle. Even in, first, in Acts chapter 1, uh, they said, let another take his office. So Matthias then would take the office of Judas. And the second thing about apostles is that they witnessed, they were witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. And they had been with them since the baptism of John. That was a requirement to fill the role of an apostle, Acts 1.15, that office. Third, we see that they personally saw the resurrected Christ, as I already said in a way there, but... Uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, 1 through 2, the, we would see that that is a requirement. And then, fourth, they persevered in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. All of these are marks of an apostle. You might say apostle with a capital A. Those appointed by Christ, those who would have the authority even to write Scripture and... Um, Confirm those writings that are in Scripture. Now, that's one way to look at apostles, but there are also apostles who are appointed by the church. These are apostles with a little a, not a capital A. You might think about Barnabas. You might think about Silas, Timothy, Adronicus, Junius in the New Testament. And like I've told you before, folks, these are the ones who would fall under probably now the category of missionaries. If our church was dropped back into the first century, we probably wouldn't support missionaries. We would support apostles. Apostles in the sense of they have been sent out by the church to preach the gospel uh, throughout the world. So you got, you got apostles who were appointed by Christ and you have apostles who are appointed by the church and sent out. Now, what about prophets? What about prophets? How would you define prophet? Okay, that's a good definition. Someone who speaks the word of God. Someone who, well, let's leave it at that. Speaks the word of God. All right. Evangelist. How would you define evangelist? All right, someone who takes the gospel to the lost, who is particularly gifted to take that message of the good news to the lost. The thing about evangelists is 
You, you might know a person has the gift or office of evangelism when you see people respond more readily to his message than he might to someone who doesn't have the gift. And you might see this person as someone who just cannot not share the gospel with people. He's just got, he or she just has to do it. They have to share the gospel with others. That's a good indication that they um, have been gifted in this way. Evangelist. What about pastors and teachers? The reason that's combined together is because some, the word some is not before the word teacher. So some actually take this and combine the, the two together because a pastor has to naturally be a teacher in order to shepherd a congregation. So it could be joined together as pastor teacher. Here it's pastor and teacher. So pastor is one who shepherds, right? That's what the word pastor means, shepherds. And then teacher is the one who educates, who teaches sound doctrine, who educates the church about the word of God. I've given some words up here to go along with these apostles. As I've shared with you before, we might look at them and see as those, those who establish the church as they go out. And then prophets, we would say that those they exhort the church. Before, I have said that they edify the church, and either word could go in there, because we see that in 1 Corinthians 12, what is it, verse 3. All right, so, no, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, that he who prophesies speaks exhortation, edification, and comfort to men. Evangelist, someone helped me out with this uh, a few sermons back, but an E word to go along with evangelist is they enlarge the church. I like that. I, I wish I would have thought of it, but I didn't. But they enlarge the church. Why? Because they're going out preaching the gospel and the church is enlarged as people believe the gospel and repenting of sins and having faith in Jesus Christ. And then last, pastors and teachers educate the church is what I've got there for that. We could also go with equip, but we'll see how those tie in a moment. Now, do you see about these gifts, these offices in the church, that really there's three things that characterize them. The first one is revelation. They all make known the mystery of Christ and Him crucified, risen again on the third day. Every one of these offices are about the proclamation of the gospel, or we might say the ministry of the word. The ministry of the word, which is essential for the salvation of lost sinners, and it is essential for the sanctification of the saved. You see, it has to do with revelation, but it also has to do with communication, as I just said. Three words here, revelation, communication, because they are all communicating the truth of the gospel. Now, the last is the word formation, revelation, communication, formation, as the word of God, the gospel goes out. As it is applied in everyday life, in every area of our lives, because the gospel is important to us no matter how long you've been a Christian. There's never a day where the gospel of Jesus Christ is not meaningful in your life as a Christian because it should be driving all that we do as the people of God. Now, 
As that word continues to be taught, the church is formed into that which Christ has called us to be, as we're going to see in a little while. Now, I want to take a minute and ask you today, do you know that gospel? Do you know this gospel that the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, that is intricate, that is central in their teaching and in our teaching? Because without knowing that gospel, you cannot be saved. You will not be born again. You will not have an eternity in heaven. You will not be forgiven of your sins apart from that gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope you all know what it is. Does anybody know what it is? What, what is the gospel? All right. That's the four facts of the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the what? Scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen alive from the dead. The four facts of the gospel are essential. You must know them. There must be no doubt about it. That gospel and that gospel alone saves us. That gospel is sufficient. It's amazing, isn't it? God, through that gospel, saves us. So these gifts that we've seen here are really foundational gifts, and they are gifts that are also forward gifts. They are gifts that the church continues to employ for the formation, for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, apostles here... I want you to know very clearly that it is not teaching us that there are apostles with capital A today. Think about it. Is there anything else we need for our faith? Do you need anything else besides what is already given to us in the written word of God and the Holy Spirit? Do we need anything else? Do we need an apostle to come and tell us anything else about Jesus? Do we, beloved? No. Do we need a prophet to come and tell us any other word about Jesus than what we have already? No. So there is nothing else foundationally that we need as the church, but there is a forwardness in this in that there are missionaries who go out. There are those who go and preach the word of God. And there are those who teach the gospel and evangelize the lost. And then there are those who shepherd the saved and teach them and educate them. So these are forward as well as foundational. Let's go to point number two. What are grace gifts for? What are grace gifts for? Now, as we look here in Ephesians, I think that we will see this quite clearly, I hope. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. Please look at it with me. Ephesians 4 verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. All right. Now, if we take that, then we're on to these E words this morning, right? So maybe if we could pick out two E words from verse 12, what Two words might we choose out from here that would tell us what these gifts are for. 
What are they for? They're for, somebody say, equipping. And then what's another one? For edifying. All right? So the word equip is a word that means to bring to a condition of fitness. It's the idea of perfecting. It is complete furnishing is the idea behind this word equipped. Now, as you look there at verse 12, who is equipped? Who? Go ahead and say it. Saints. All right. Now, a saint is a set-apart one. It's those who are saved. All right. So the saints are equipped. Now, what are they equipped for in verse 12? Okay. Work, work of what? Of ministry. All right. They are equipped, verse 12, for the work, for the work of ministry. Now, question. Who does the equipping? Okay, pastors and teachers. Now, it's probably a responsible way to look at this and take all four gifts. And if you think about it, even with the apostles who wrote the Bible, they are still equipping us today. Though they are dead and buried, they are still equipping us today as the Word of God is being taught. So whether you take all four or just the last pastors and teachers, they are equipping the saints for the work of of what? Ministry. Now notice here, there's not the definite article before ministry. It doesn't say for the work of the ministry, but it's for the work of ministry. I'll give you a definition that Warren Wiersbe that stuck with me from years back now, probably over a decade. But he defines ministry as this. He says, ministry happens when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels for the glory of God. Ministry happens when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels for the glory of God. You see, friends, it is the work of ministry as though it is what the whole church is and does. You see, the church is ministers ministering. The church is servants serving. That is who we are in, in the calling. That is what we've been called to be. And that is what our Lord Jesus Christ was. All right, so we see that they are equipped... But the second point there was edifying. So these gifts are given for equipping and they are given for edifying. Now, does anybody remember what the word edify means? We've been over this a a whole bunch by now. We know that edification is real important. So what does that word edify mean? Good job. Good job. I think we've about got that. Build up. That is exactly right. So these gifts have been given to the church for the edifying of the... Wait a second. It says the body of who? Now, who is that? Who is the body of Christ? 
Well, Jesus had a physical body, but now today, is Jesus himself physically needing to be built up? Or what is that body of Christ? What is it? It's the church. We are it. So these gifts are given to us to build us up. To build up the body of Christ. I'll remind you of these these verses. Ephesians 4.16 Growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. 4.29 Words should be spoken for necessary edification. 1 Corinthians 10.23 All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Sorry, I skipped one. Romans 14, 19. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, Edify one another. 1 Corinthians 8, 1. Love edifies. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He who prophesies edifies the church. 1 Corinthians 14.26 Let all things be done for edification. 2 Corinthians 12.19 But we do all things, beloved, for your edification. So we see the importance of edification. If the equipped saints do the work of ministry, the body will be built up. If not, the church suffers. You see, this is the way it works. Christ gave the gifts. The gifts are employed in the church. The church is equipped for ministry. A church that ministers is built up because of that. So it starts with Christ, our head, who provides all things for the body, that His body may be all that He has called us to be. Colossians chapter 1 reminds us that He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. So, these gifts are given for that reason. Now, let's go further. How long are these grace gifts needed? How long? How long are they needed? The answer is found in verse 13. You see four things here. First thing is this. And let's look at the verse first of all. See if you can pick them out. Till, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of of the stature of the fullness of Christ. How long are they needed? Till we all come to the unity of the faith. How long are they needed? Till we all come to, you might say, in the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. I've been trying to figure that out. But it is a unity of the faith, and it's a unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. Third, it's until we come to a perfect man. Have we arrived yet? Do we still need the gifts? And then lastly, to the measure 
of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Y'all remember probably back then when I was going through this, I would talk about, you know, when a, when a, a child, particularly boys, you know, they start growing and getting taller and they'll walk up to dad and, and say, yeah, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. And they're checking their stature. See if they've reached the same height as their dad. And that's what the church has got to be doing. Oh, Jesus, we're not there yet, but your gifts being employed in the church are helping us to grow. So that rather than remaining as we were, we are being changed by that gospel that saved us. And that's what it's all about. As these gifts or any other gifts are used, beloved, it is not about the one who has the gift, but it's about the one who has given the gift and being more and more like him. Calvin has said somewhere that if we want to be considered members of Christ, let no man be anything for himself, but let us all be whatever we are for the benefit of of each other. Beloved, why are you here today? Is it just for you? Are you here selfishly? Or are you here for everybody else who is here? Are you here not only to be built up, but are you here to build up others? Thank you. And as we do this church thing, folks, that's the mentality that we have to have. And I want to tell you, there's a lot of you that have that mentality. And it is a blessing to this congregation. Keep up the good work. If you realize this morning that you're slacking in that area, that you're way selfish, that it's all about you, repent. Repent of that. What does that mean? Change your mind about it. And start living and thinking according to not your desires or what seems right in your own understanding, but what is right according to the understanding of the Word of God. And the more and more we do that, folks, guess what's going to happen? The more and more we're going to be reaching to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, we're going to be conformed into the image of Jesus. And that's exactly what God saved us for. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. And Lord, I just pray that it would be used greatly among us. Lord, I, I pray that we would not be just hearers of the word, but doers of it. We need that, we need that desperately. I thank you, Father, for the way that this uh, scripture is being fulfilled already among us as saints are equipped and as the body is being edified. Father, I, I thank you for the unity of the faith that we are coming to. I thank you, Father, for the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God that we are coming to. Lord, I thank you that we are being perfected. And, Lord, that we are 
growing to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So I thank you, Father, for what you are doing in this congregation and really throughout the world and the church. But Lord, I also know that we can be lazy and complacent and apathetic and selfish. And Father, I just ask you, not because of my words, but because of your word, I pray, Lord, that any place, any seed where that is in this congregation, that it would be repented of and that we would all be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, I have not arrived. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.